0: To authors on the air I'm your host Pam Stack we're proud to be part of the authors on the air global radio network today is women rock Wednesday I have two fantastic female authors who are joining me um, let me tell you about my first guest Tori Eldridge and I have go back a long way she's a pretty badass special woman um, she is a Honolulu born writer who challenges perspective and empowers the spirit. I will tell you a little bit later on about her book, Empowered Living, and why that is such a true statement. Um, The Ninja Daughter has just released yesterday uh, by Agora Books, an imprint of Polis. It is the first book in the Lily Wong series and was inspired by a debut short fiction story. She was featured in Suspense Magazine's Best of the Year uh, in 2014 called uh, Call Me Dumpling. It was just a fantastic story. Um, She's also had other short stories and been published in several anthologies, and her screenplay, The Gift, earned a semi-finalist place for the prestigious Academy Nickel Fellowship. She is Hawaiian, Chinese, and Norwegian descent and graduated school, high school, with President Obaka Brahma, which I thought was pretty cool. She holds a fifth-degree black belt in ninjutsu and has traveled the United States teaching seminars on ninja arts, weapons, and women's self-protection. I am so thrilled to welcome back to Authors on the Air my friend and now best-selling author, Tori Eldridge. Hi, Tori. Hey, Pam. Thanks for having I'm, me. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here. I know you're on the road with your husband going to a book signing. Um, uh, thanks for taking the time to speak with me.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Are you kidding anything for you, Pam?
0: You're a doll. Um, you were the hit of BoucherCon this year in Dallas. All of your books sold out in the book room faster than anyone else. Um, you were surrounded by authors who wanted to speak to you and get to know you, including all the ones that you already know. Um, it must have been a thrill going for the first time to one of these writer conferences that I know you go to often but to go as a published author.
1: It really was. It, it was hugely different. And, and thank you so much for the embellishments. Um, not a best-selling author yet, and I'm sure James but Patterson you will be. had a lot more books flying off the shelf than I did. But it was it was a huge thrill because, uh, for people who don't know, BoucherCon has what, you know, 17, 1800 people, a lot right. of them readers, but also a lot of them writers. So the bookstores have tons of books from tons of authors. So, I mean, nobody expects, you know, a debut author to be sold out halfway through the day one. So, at least of all me. And so it was really quite, quite a shock and quite a thrill. And it was so exciting to meet readers and to really get a chance to get to know them and to have them running up to me. I had this one gal run up to me. She said, I don't know you. I haven't read your book. I sat in on your panel, and I'm your favorite reader. You're my favorite author. I have to read your book. I, like, I love oh my, that. Oh, my gosh. Because incredible.
0: ultimately, you know, while you while writers write because they have to write, you really write for the people who were reading, correct?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean it's entertainment first and foremost. Uh, sure. now granted the Ninja Daughter deals with some really gritty issues, um, you know, Me Too era, you know, crimes against women kinds of issues. It's got some really deep family themes, but it's got a lot of sardonic humor and it's, you know, got a snappy, fast paced prose and ultimately, you know, it's it's out there to entertain
0: you know um i was reading your article um that you wrote for crime reads and i want to talk to you about that because there were several things in there that i often think about but don't often see writers talking about the first thing is um you you talked about the 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 complexities of writing and of you know what your idea for your book was. But you said something that I thought was really important. You said, these were stories I wanted to read. So it pretty much made sense that that's the thing that you wanted to write about. Um, I know you, and I know your backgrounds. So you used your own background as Hawaiian, Chinese, Norwegian to describe Lily Wong. You also used your expertise in empowerment and in martial arts and protection to imbue those uh, characteristics in Lily Wong too. But still, this was not a walk in the park for you, was it? Um, Well, you know, it it
1: all came out pretty naturally because the novel came from a 200-word flash fiction uh, write right. a 200-word thriller. And from that came the Call Me Dumply short story. And when I wrote that, I knew it was a scene in a novel, and I I knew where that scene was. And so the novel pretty well uh, was able – I was able to lay that out in a big, you know, map of an outline, kind of the way I, I write screenplays. And, and that that came together pretty fast. When it came to Lily, even though I'm Hawaiian, she's not – Uh, Lily's mother is Hong Kong Chinese. She's from Hong Kong, and her father is Norwegian from North Dakota. And Lily is, uh, although she trained in wushu from a kid, she also trained in secret with a Japanese ninja. So this is a woman pulled in three directions culturally. Uh, And that was a story that I really, I wanted to imbue my action thriller with this sense of heritage and culture. And I also wanted to blast through the stereotype of ninja and really give an audience an authentic understanding of what it is to be modern-day ninja. So the essay you mentioned in Crime Reads was called uh, The Veracity and Heart of the Modern Thriller. And what I was talking about in there was how to, to infuse a novel with esoteric facts and heritage and still keep that action pace that fast paced action in a story and that's not always easy to do so that was a big challenge and of course that's what I was writing about in the essay
0: Um, It's interesting to me that when I read that essay and, and in that exact spot that you're talking about, you said, you know, throw the word ninja in front of whatever you do and everyone gets the message, you know, ninja tech, ninja marketing wizard, ninja, American ninja warrior, and, and they kind of have this preconceived notion of what it is, it is actually more than just if i'm correct and and i've spoken to you long enough about this it is more than just a martial art it is a kind of a state of being isn't it tori
1: well ninjutsu is is the most comprehensive martial art that i encountered i started out in and went on to kickboxing did a little bit of brazilian jiu-jitsu before i discovered it and the thing Mm -hmm. about um Ninjutsu is that it comes down from nine different lineages. Some of them are unarmed. Some of them involve weapons. Some of them involve strategy and espionage and all manner of things. And they were brought together under one grandmaster in Japan, uh, Masaki Hatsumi, uh, from Takamatsu Hatsumi. And that's that's where all of this came together. My teacher Stephen Hay Hayes was a student back when there were just, you know, a, a dozen uh, people training. And he learned this, and he brought it west. And he founded Toshin Do, which is a modern evolution of this art, to gear it towards Western, practical Western application, and also a practical Western uh, sensibility in teaching it. So mm-hmm. when I say ninja, when, when the world says ninja, what they're really saying is awesome awesome tech, awesome, you know, talent, right. whatever. When right. I say ninja, I'm talking about somebody who has devoted their time, their attention, their commitment uh, to learning this martial art, And it does, in fact, become very much so a way
0: of life. Um, I know that you used to teach. You don't now. But you also still practice a lot, don't you, Tori? Um, not so by by yourself,
1: by myself. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a very immersive person. So when I was training, uh, it, it occupied most of my time, attention, resources, and, and finances, I might add, because I was always traveling to learn and to teach and things like that. When I made the commitment as a writer, uh, to have a career as a fiction writer, I knew it would require that degree of immersiveness to to get to this spot where I could, you know, take off as a debut author. And so I let that go. But I do, I hike in the hills. I hike in the hills with a six-foot staff. I do some of my training that way. Every now, on, now and again, I do some uh, personal training at home, nice and light. But uh, one thing I do is I meditate every morning. And I use a lot of the practices that I learned in in my toshindo training and and of course that I had been doing since I was twelve because i've I'm a lifelong meditation person, so
0: which brings me to mindful musings, your newsletter um i I have been a fan of your newsletter since we met a hundred years ago uh let's talk really? about mindfulness and what that means to you because that is being aware in the moment, your every thought. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it really is. It's it's living in the moment, and it's a heightened degree of awareness. Now, of course, we we really can't be in the moment every second of the day. It's sure. every waking second. It's impossible. So it's not um, something that you do. It's something that you practice. And so from the moment I wake up, before I even get out of bed, I, I set my brain to this kind of mindful awareness in my meditation and I try I try and carry it through and forward throughout my day. And when I when I veer away from it, when I catch myself doing things that are hasty, that are not mindful, maybe saying things that I shouldn't say, acting too quickly, then I'm able to catch myself and say, Oh, you know, look what you've done here. You need to you need to bring it on in you need to, to focus on what's going on. You need to slow down. You need to pay attention to what's going on. And so it's a constant check of bringing myself back to the center and trying to approach life from a, a very mindful position.
0: In all the photos I've ever seen of you, I don't think I've ever seen you not joyful at at something <laughs> in your life. Now, that is not to say you know, when you've had losses, that you were not affected by it. But your everyday life seems to be joyful. And I'm assuming that your mindfulness is the reason why you are joyful.
1: I think it has a lot to do with it. Uh, one of one of the things that uh, I do in my perspective is I, I try very hard to not look at things as either good or bad. Right. Uh, everything is is neutral. And I try and look at it that way. And I can give you an example of this. Um, I cared for my parents, both of them through end of life. I was there uh, during some very hard times for them. I was there at the moment of their death. And through all of that, you know, you could say that this is a very sad time. This is a very hard time. But I never really felt that way. I felt, I felt honored. I felt Privileged. Mm. I felt it was poignant. Poignant was a much better adjective, not, not sad, not heartbreaking, but poignant. Because even in the hardest times, there was joy, and there was love, and there was specialness, and there was blessings. And I think because I tend to look at that, I am not as easily uh, brought down into depression. It, it happens every now and again, but it doesn't happen often. And I think that neutrality of for emotion. Long.
0: Yeah, it doesn't last uh, no, long. No, it doesn't. Either. It
1: doesn't last for long. And so I think I think that neutrality has a lot to do with it. And again, that is mindfulness because I'm always checking in on myself, saying, "Well, wait a minute, this isn't inherently bad. This is this is just, you know, it, it's challenging. But even things that are challenging have very positive aspects in them. And I do try and keep my eye on that.
0: It's interesting your experience with your parents was exactly mine. I was the caregiver for 10 years, even moving in with mine. And when my, my. brothers came uh to be uh, on the day that they were dying, you know, they were very sad and I said, "This is the day you thank mom and dad for being as great mm-hmm. as they are." And, and you tell them You've made us strong, independent people. Don't worry, we'll take care of the, whoever's left and so on and so forth. I completely relate yeah. to that. And um, so thank you for that. I, I want to talk about your Empowered Living book because um, that really was the thing that introduced us to each other and made such a huge difference in my life. Will you give listeners a little background about that
1: uh, sure. I was teaching. And in Toshindo, we really integrate physical and emotional uh, strategies in what we do. So even though we're practicing some kind of physical kata, we're also addressing how this might look in emotional and uh, other sorts of situations. So I really wanted to take that and go further with that and add on to that a lot of my own experiences and um attitudes and perspectives about personal responsibility and, you know, taking charge of the perspective in your life. So I geared this book mostly to people who obviously want to feel protected and empowered but for for whatever reason are never going to step onto a martial arts mat or take any kind of course that's going to help them become physically prepared for self-defense. So I wanted to integrate physical and emotional protection as if they were one concept with combined strategies so that, for instance, if a person like yourself were to read it, I'm going to make that connection for you. I'm going to talk about strategies. I'm going to really tell you how this applies with your boss, with your kids, with your husband, with your friend, at home, at work, and then I'm going to show you a relative physical um, scenario that that might uh, have that same energy and use those same strategies so that's that's kind of what I ended up doing and and then uh, about seven years after the original volume, I embellished it and made it a third more third longer and really dove in even more so on the, um, the emotional side with even more anecdotes and things of that nature, because I really wanted to push the empowerment. That's what was most important to me at that time.
0: Well, you know, and I think um, when you, we had our first interview about that book, it reminded me so much of being a, 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 you know, a survivor of a violent crime myself and um, Mm -hmm. how I came out of it. And so I related very well to that. And as a matter of fact, um shortly after that, I asked you if you joined the network to start Empowered Living Radio, which you did. And um, how many episodes did you do, Tori? Fifty-seven. It's amazing, 57 isn't episodes.
1: it? episodes. It was amazing. Yeah, it was a very empowering experience. I enjoyed it immensely.
0: And you spoke to all sorts of interesting people about their, the way that they empowered themselves after different scenarios in their life. So for example, you spoke to our dear friend David Morrell about loss because he has had lost so many people in his life, uh, his, his inner family, his very close family. And you spoke, spoke to one of the contestants on um, the reality show. I can't remember what oh, it's called. Oh right, N-
1: "Naked and Afraid,"
0: Hakeem. Naked and afraid. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was very interesting to me. You spoke to one of the um, Red Hat. Um, uh, yeah, the
1: uh, fourteenth reincarnated nation. Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. Three and you were his last passed away. He- you were his last interview. Yeah, I remember that. I was
1: definitely one one of the last. Yeah, mm-hmm. he
0: that actually is probably the the most um, re-listened to podcast in the network, even to this day. I still get notifications of people listening to it. So you oh, now are. I'm, a, I'm honored you, by that. Well, you know, it was a it was fantastic. Um, you now are on book tour. Um, so I wanna ask you how does it feel to be going to bookstores and speaking to the owners of the bookstores and the readers as a first time full length novelist? It's
1: incredible. It's really incredible. It's just fabulous. <laughs> I was at Book Soup yesterday in, in West Hollywood and you know there was this you know this bookstore and these people helping me and setting everything up and Handing me a mic, and I was up there, and it was was just great. And, you know, of course, I'm very at home in situations like this. I I don't prepare. It's like I I look at the audience, and I want to talk to the audience, and whatever we're going to say is going to come from that moment, mindfulness, right? From that moment and that relationship that I'm having with that audience. So it was really special. It was wonderful. I had a pre-launch event a month ago in Honolulu, that had, I don't know, 40, 50 people in there, and that was fantastic, and now I'm well, off that's to when, San Diego, the mysterious galaxy.
0: That's when your son got married, too. Congratulations, new new mom-in-law. Uh, it was looked like a much. wonderful ceremony. Um, Tori... You do book events a little bit different than almost any author I've ever met. You are so engaged with your audience, when whether you're reading a passage. I don't imagine you standing behind a podium and being very still. Is that true or not? Yeah, I don't do
1: podiums very well, and yeah. I most definitely don't stay still.
0: <laughs> I, I, I can imagine, and um, do any of the people that you read to ask for you to show them a little ninja action?
1: Um, that's interesting. I have not yet had anybody ask for you know a self-defense demonstration, although when I'm in Dayton, I'm going to be at Books and Company. And the uh bookstore owner did ask me to to include a self defense uh component. So depending on who's there and what we're doing, that, that may come out. And when I'm at Poison Pen in Scottsdale, there's a Toshindo um dojo very close by in Chandler. And I'm gonna be coming out of retirement to teach a uh a class, a workshop for kids and for adults on how to use a six-foot staff and really make it part of your body regardless of what your skill level is. So I can scale it from somebody who's brand new to somebody like me because I'm not going to be teaching a particular technique or a kata. I'm going to be teaching movement that's going to help them become one with that bow And uh, then everybody, the price of admission is pre-ordering a book from Poison Pen, and we're all going to ship over the next day and go to Poison Pen for the book signing. So I have a lot of these integrated things. When I'm in uh, Philadelphia, I have this great event at Doyleston Bookshop uh, with John McGoran and uh, another podcast. But the day before that, I'm going to be at Athleta Clothing Store to do an empowerment event. That's part of their entire wellness weekend. My friend who's a manager there pitched pitched this event with me, and they were so taken with it that they not only brought me in from four to six and had Barnes & Noble supply all the books, but they created an entire weekend program of wellness and empowerment that culminates in my visit. So that was wonderful. I I was so encouraged by that.
0: Um, i I want you to tell everybody about your website where to find you and where your events listing is please
1: oh absolutely my website is torieldridge.com and you spell my name t-o-r-i-e-l-d-r-i-d-g-e you'll find everything you want there including a book club page by the way i have got An amazing book club kit that I'm going to be posting in the next couple days on my book club page, so do check that out. This thriller that I'm writing, it's not often you have an action thriller that is perfect for book clubs, but because of the deep uh, social themes and diversity themes and family themes, there are some really great conversation starters. But at the end, you know, in the menu, the contact page, it lists all of the now 12 cities that I'm going to be going to. It started out as a 14-city tour, but I've, I've cut a couple of them off, <laughs> so yeah. Now I think I'm down to well, uh, eleven or twelve cities. Well, as
0: as you know, I I live in Southwest Florida, and and um our our snowbird season begins usually at the end of November, sometimes December. But in it is in full swing in um January February and March and every retirement community has a book club I'm going to be knocking on some doors with some of the people I know to find out if you can Skype do a Skype book club with them because I think they would love to hear you so and I oh, think it that would be, would be fun. fantastic yeah, yeah. I would so, love to have a bunch of book clubs out there. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you're welcome here anytime. I mean, <laughs> you, well, you, you got know, a place I to have stay. A
1: sister, and I have a uh-huh. sister and a lot of friends in Florida. I I could be tempted to come out there i I definitely could if enough book clubs were involved i could definitely be tempted
0: (laughs) then you and i are going to you and i are going to talk about that um i want to (laughs) again remind you the book is called the ninja daughter it is available in bookstores everywhere and online if you prefer to do your shopping there um tori eldridge thank you for being with me today and good luck and have fun on your book tour
1: count on it i'm having a blast thank you so much pam
0: and have a great trip talk to you soon i want to thank everyone for being with me today and especially thank you mom and dad i'll see you later